Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 238, recorded July 16, 2016. So today we're finishing off Star Trek Manifest Destiny. Yes. Quite an action-packed uh, little four-issue uh, series. Uh, you ain't kidding. So after these issues, Kurt can never say, I never lost anybody. Oh, no, he can't. <laughs> No, he can't. And man, people got beat up real good. Right. Uh, Sulu and Kirk and um, other people. I don't remember exactly. Oh, McCoy. Right. Yeah. So well, people... pre- pretty much the whole everybody on the Enterprise has taken a lick or two in this, these four issues. Probably. And not all of them walk away. No, they don't. Um, I'll have a comment about. Like some of the last shots in the last issue. Right. Me too. Pertaining to how many. Exactly. I know what you're going to say because I am going to say the same thing. Okay. Okay. So anyway, so last last issue, last episode we did issue one. So today we're going to do two. So you want to just jump straight into it? Please. All right. So issue number two of Manifest Destiny came out April of 2016. Uh, the writers were Mike Johnson and Ryan Parrott. Art by Angel Hernandez. Colors by Doug Garbach and Adam Krasowski. Letters by And World Design. Edits by Sarah Gatos. And publisher is Ted Adams. So like with the last issue, there's three covers. So the first cover shows Kirk in a red spacesuit and Spock in a blue one running across the hull of the Enterprise as Klingon ship fires from behind them. Then cover B shows Chekhov being surrounded by several Klingons. And then cover C, which is the best one, is a remake of the Rathacon poster where the actors from the Kelvin universe, which is Cumberbatch, Pine, Quinto, Saldana, are replaced, uh, are replacing the normal versions of, of, of that poster. Uh, but however, the Enterprise and the uniforms are from the Rathacon movie and not from the uh, Kelvin universe. So that's a little different. So the story starts with Kirk and Spock leading a huge army of security men and women onto the hull of the ship for a, uh, to attack the oncoming Klingon paratroopers that were uh, launched from the Klingon ship last issue. The fighting is fierce and many, many, many of the enterprise crew are shown being hit by disruptor blasts. And these blasts just go straight through them. Or they're being sliced up by batleths. Back on the planet, McCoy holds a Klingon by phaser point, threatening the female leader of the Klingon team that he will kill the warrior if she tries to attack him. She commends him for his warrior spirit, but then shows that she has Ahura, Sulu, and Zara uh, also by disruptor point. He says that he will let his captive go on her word that none of the Federation captives will be killed. She agrees, 
But when the Klingon is freed, he kills himself out of disgrace. Back on the ship's hull, the Klingons have started drilling into the ship to gain access. To get them in time, Lieutenant Ka turns off his gravity boots and swings way over the battle, holding on to a rope or wire to land atop the Klingons and killing them quickly. Or stunning him, it's unclear. The Klingon captain of the Chotok, which is the Klingon ship, who is also part of this attack force, sees a chance to take out a huge number of the Federation troops. So he orders the ship to fire into the battle. The Chotok does, but there were some reservations on the Klingon side because it also kills a huge number of the Klingon attackers. Eventually, the Klingons are able to make their way inside the ship. Kirk and the rest of the Federation crew quickly head inside to try to stop the marauders. Back on the planet, the female commander orders the humans aboard her dropship. Her second-in-command challenges her orders in letting the humans live. A short fight between the two takes place and ends with her second-in-command dead at her feet with a knife stuck into his skull. She tells McCoy that he and the others are going to help her kill the crazy captain of her ship. Back on the Enterprise, the Klingons are able to make their way to the bridge. But luckily, the command crew escaped through a hatch in the floor. The crazy Klingon commander now calls himself General, and he says he will use the Enterprise to start his own empire. To be continued. You ain't kidding he's crazy. That man's a nut. Yeah, it's a good thing he has so many disposable warriors that he can just keep throwing at things that he knows he's not going to win. Yeah, um, they depict they depict most of the fighting as being pretty one sided. So uh, there are definitely Klingons that are being killed, not by Shotok's own hand, but in most cases. <laughs> Uh, Kirk's crew has taken a lot of losses here. A lot of losses, like you mentioned. Right. Yeah, well, there's losses all over the place, but it, it's, you know, you hate to sound racist or whatever, but the, the Federation crew dying hits a little closer than the Klingons. Oh, yeah, who cares about the Klingons? <laughs> I mean, the Klingons do. Well, of course they do. And, and, and that's the seeds of discontent, which Shotok is uh, sowing himself which will be very important as the uh, story proceeds. So what do you think about yet another spacesuit design? I, this is probably my least favorite. It, it, it looks very comfortable, um, very form-fitting. You wouldn't want to be a fat man in that, um, <laughs> like me. But, you know, um, I don't know. It, it, just, it just looks too light. I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm glad they're not NASA style spacesuits, big bulky things, but that looks a little ridiculous. Right. It, it looks basically like, a, like, I don't know, like a latex, uh, <laughs> a latex suit. I mean, it's there's nothing to it. it. It looks like a superhero outfit. Practically skin tight. Right. You can practically see Pine's abs in it. It's that. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, I just I don't think super, I don't think space suit should be that uh, form fitting. I think you would want. I mean, you're going to have to have some sort of 
technology inside the suit, right? You have. You have where's the air coming from? Yeah. Right. So, I don't buy it. I don't know. The but other I don't thing know, is, I guess Star Lord's uniform was pretty, pretty unpractical too in yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true. Well, it was a leather jacket and stuff, right? Or what right. It looked like a leather jacket. Yeah, with a little mask every once in a while. <laughs> exactly. That yeah. And also, the color keeps changing. So on the cover, it's red. Kirk's in a red one, and then Spock's in kind of a blue purple one. Which, right. you know, uh, Spock's color makes sense. Kirk's not so much. And then inside, though, they're on the transporter pad, and it's all black. So, or, yeah, gray. Eh. Yeah, black and gray. Exactly. Probably more gray, you're right, than black, but both. Yeah, I don't know why they're just not using the same uniforms from Star Trek uh, In the Darkness. Yeah. I, I like those. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So, I got to ask, in the opening scenes when you first see the Klingons in this issue, they're on the hull of the Enterprise. You can see the Shoktak or whatever their ship's name is in the background, and you and they got a, a blue glow around them. Right. I think Which that's is, just the art style. Is it the art style? Because it's just confusing. Because they don't, they don't have the blue glow later. Right. Uh, Kirk and company don't have the blue glow ever. Um, I did. I didn't know whether they did the blue glow because that was supposed to be like the Enterprise shields or something. It's the same blue glow that's around the ships when they feel like telling you, "Hey, there's shields here." Right. And they don't always do that, but I, I, I just it it kind of threw me off. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. Um... But, uh, you know, we talked about it last issue, you know, that we thought it was the shields or whatever. But yeah. but when I was reading these issues, I was just like, oh, I think this is just his style, which worked really well with – because I think he did um, the Green Lantern crossover. Yes. Which which warrant itself to these kind of outlines because sure. they were all being enhanced by rings and stuff. But Exactly. We don't have any rings in this, in this issue. No. But we still kind of got that same style. So now I'm thinking it's more of just style choice. Right. Okay. And only in some panels. Okay, that's fine. Right. So Kai's big move is to jump off the hull holding a handy cable that just happens to be there. Yeah, where'd that even come from? I have no idea. And then <laughs> shooting downward because now he could see the Klingons. You know, the, 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 the chunks of the Enterprise hull is no longer... Uh, Blocking uh, Kirk and Company's, uh, you know, blasts towards the Klingons. He's above them. Isn't that great? It was great. Wouldn't wouldn't he be a target also? So nobody saw him coming off the hull. I would have shot him right away if I was a Klingon. Hey, look, somebody's coming off the hull. I can. I got a great shot. I got a great uh, line <laughs> of sight on him. Anyway, yeah, it's like skeet pull. There's guy. <laughs> exactly. Or, yeah. No. It was. It was. Kind of silly. It reminded me of like uh, you know the pirate movies and stuff like that. Where you have them swinging from uh-huh. ship to ship or right. from the you know bow to stern or whatever. Sure. So yeah. I get where they were coming from, and they were, but yeah, it didn't really make sense. No. But he won, so that's all that mattered. Exactly. Yeah. So they had to do something to make some uh, some progress. I guess the Klingons. So fine. 
but not too much progress because we got to, the reader has to know that Kirk and Company is in plenty of trouble. Yes. So when Kai did that jump, did you did you know that it was Kai from the beginning? Because because the way his faceplate is, uh, I kind of thought maybe I thought it was Spock at first, and then and then they they keep calling him that crazy Orion, and I'm like, no, that's Spock. And then when he landed, I saw a different picture, and I was like, oh no, that is Kai. But well, before he jumped, it was Kai did say permission to do something potentially unwise to Kirk. Yeah. So I figured it was Kai, but but again, he's not he's not green enough, I guess. So I, I, to me, he didn't really. I thought for whatever reason, I thought it was Spock. Maybe it was the eyebrows or whatever. I was like, right. oh, that's Spock. But uh, I had to go back a couple pages and reread it in Kai's voice versus Spock's. You know, because you got to have it straight in your head. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. I will say one thing now that I'm actually looking at the page where he's like floating up in the air uh, mm-hmm. and an easy target, by the way. I'm looking at the phaser rifle they're using, and gosh darn it, if uh, Angel is not drawing phasers that look quite reminiscent of first contact phaser rifles. Which are your favorite phaser rifles? That's aside my favorite. The, the yeah. very first one. Right. Well, the very first one holds a special place in my heart being an object of desire for many, many decades. But um, the design, I like the first contact phaser rifle. Yes, sir. That is correct. And these, especially in some panels, look a lot like those. Right. And I got to say, bravo. You know, better than some of the other phaser rifle designs we've seen in the com- in these uh, ongoing re- comics. Right. Right. So exactly how many Klingon ships are there? Uh, okay. I thought to. Well, I thought when, to. When the Klingons shoot onto the hull of the Enterprise and, and kill all the guys that are floating around there, uh-huh. they, they show three. Oh, really? Okay. But then... My mistake. But then I just don't understand where... Then, in this then, issue. Yeah, in this issue. When... when when he orders the the ships to fire, and they they are hesitant to do so because oh, it will kill so many Klingons. The drop ship. Yeah, it shows. Yo, oh, oh, those yeah. are just drop ships. I think so. Like attack little attack oh, ships. Okay, okay. I think there's one big ship. Okay. And then those. Yeah, you're right. There are three of them right there on page uh, whatever page we're on. Page fourteen. Right. There are three, but I think that's the same class of ship as. Um, well, it's kind of like a bird of prey. It's their, it's their equivalent to a bird bird of prey, smaller ships. Okay, but it doesn't go inside of the bigger ship. It's not like a shuttlecraft. Uh, I don't know that that's the case. So when uh, Devash comes up uh, later from the planet with McCoy and company, um, I think they're, I think they landed in the ship, didn't they? Right. And anytime it shows like the standoff between Enterprise and the Klingon ship, there's one big battle cruiser and right. there's the Enterprise. There's no other bird of prey ships in the area. Right. So I don't I don't know where these three little ships came from. Uh so that's why I was asking. Well, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe that that ship is big enough that they can hold like like f- attack ships, not fighters, mind you. Although those might be fighters, I don't know. Um, right. But definitely the ship that Devash has. I think I got her. I think that's her name. Yeah, um, so. that's a, that's a little bigger ship. That's more like a bird of prey, right? Because there's lots of you know a fair number of people inside that ship. I thought it was just a shuttle, the one oh. that she takes up to the bigger ship. Right. Okay. Well, whatever. Uh, I, I think at least, I think at least the attack ships that are hitting the hull. I think at least those go into the bigger, uh, yeah, choke talk or whatever the heck that bigger ship's name is. Okay. All right. I was unclear. That, that or else they just materialize out of thin air because <laughs> some some panels all you see is one ship. Some panels you see a bunch. Right. And by the way, if you've got that many ships, if you've got attack ships like that, why don't you just take those across to the Enterprise uh, and, like, latch on and then just start, you know, rather than having all, you know, individual people doing space jumps. Right. Is that more Klingon-y? I don't know. Because it wouldn't look as cool. It would not look as cool, but I'm just saying. It would look too much like Nemesis. Didn't Nemesis have them flying a shuttle around inside of a ship? Not Nemesis. Yeah, Nemesis. Yeah, Nemesis. That, that little black one? Yeah. That Data and uh, Picard used to get out? That one? Right. Yeah. Don't they drive it through the ship a little bit? I think they do. And then and they then get they out. Shoot themselves out. Yeah. There you go. I need to rewatch that one. Out of all the movies, that's the one I've seen the least, I think. Um, I think that might be the same thing for me, too. Um, although, and. I do, I do like that film. It's not nearly... I do not like that film nearly as much as some of the other ones. But, gosh darn it, such a good writer um, wrote that script. Brent Spiner and... Uh, what's, the, what's the writer? I forgot his name. But the guy's really good, and he's the showrunner and writes all the scripts for... Um, or the creator and showrunner. Uh, John Logan, that's his name, John Logan. Of uh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, really? I didn't and know I that. love Penny Dreadful. Um, anyway, a really talented writer who's done some really good things. Uh, but that movie was uh, a mixed bag, to be certain. Not all good. Right. I don't think he knew that much about Star Trek. <sighs> I, you may be right. I thought he was kind of a fan, but I don't know. Maybe not. Mm. Maybe not. Anyway, whatever. Um, what else on this one? Uh, this one, the uh, trap door on the bridge, I never knew existed. Handy. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, but it, that's the one that Chekhov went through? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I agree. I, I, I don't remember the trap door, but haven't there been other issues where Kirk was going, getting onto the bridge via some kind of ladder or something? Not the turbo lift. Right. Yeah, I think there's like a Jeffrey's tube or something that comes up behind it or something like that. Something. But no, I've never seen the trapdoor either. <laughs> yeah. And then he just opens it up and jumps through like a rabbit and he's like, missed me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. All right, my last, my last comment, and I think maybe we've beaten a dead horse on this one, is... Um... Okay, so when you're in space... 
the number one thing you really have to worry about is just debris and stuff, right? If you're traveling at at warp speeds, uh, a little, a so. little, a little tiny flake of paint yes. would blast right through the ship. <laughs> flake of yes, uh, yeah. So, so they have that's why you have well, deflector shields, deflectors, deflector so, beams, shields, whatever. But, but men with gravity boots can still stick to the hull. I mean, I would think that deflectors would, by design, deflect all physical object objects, right? Bullets, yeah, but, people, but hold on. Yeah, paint, but the <laughs> moon rock. You and you and paint. Um, the deflector dish. You know where the deflector dish, of course, we all do in engineering, at the front of the engineering um, section. Mm-hmm. Um, and it fires forward. So you're so suggesting it doesn't, bubble, it doesn't bubble the whole ship. It's I don't just think so. A, a little, literally a shield in front of the ship as it's moving forward. Yeah, uh, that's my understanding. Uh, so while while the ship's in orbit and all the other space junk floating around the planet, that's going to pelt the ship. Unless, the unless you have defensive shields. Okay. So but there's the... now they keep mixing it up, but I don't. I think they're fundamentally different things. You've got the deflector dish, which is firing a beam forward in front of the ship and basically sweeping everything out of the way. And then you've got defensive shields, which are generated in all directions around the ship. I say in the form of an egg-shaped bubble, roughly, but whatever. Maybe it's close to the hull. Mm. But okay. I that's those are fundamentally different things that might be based on similar technology, but I think they serve different functions. Um, now so, I believe if you have shields, mm-hmm. and it can stop blasts of photon torpedoes and lasers or phasers, uh, it probably should be stopping physical things too, like batliths. Aren't they like using batlets or something to right. to tear open the uh, the the hull? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I got a comment about that too. I okay. I cl- I just do not know how shields work in the reboot timeline. <laughs> That's all there is to it. <laughs> all right, that was my last one. What else you got? Um. Okay, so the final page. Of this one, uh, where uh, Shotok is sitting in the uh, at the con, screaming, "Let the slaughter begin!" Um, mm-hmm. I like how they have the red border around the word bubble, just to yeah. to kind of say, you know, this is real. You know, he's really screaming big time here with all this, uh, with all that emotion, that frightening emotion. I like that. Um, right. They use it a few places. At other places where they might use it, they don't use it. So I assume they, they save it for times when a character is really emotional. Because I think uh, Devash, uh, they use that, that kind of device uh, in, in a few of her uh, screamings also. Right. And be, speaking of Devash, she is a bad ASS Klingon, isn't she? Um. Wow. And what? she takes care of business, but you she's ain't not... kidding. <laughs> I, I, but, but out of all of them, she's the most honorable of, of she, this story. She is the most honorable, and she's smart. But man, uh, she is just not messing around with a prolonged flight fight when she's dealing with that what third in command or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. I just just throws that knife right into his head. I love that. She Indiana Jones him. Right. <laughs> you want to have a long fight? There you go. Here's your knife in the head. Done. Let's move on. I like that. Okay. I just want to say that. That's my last comment. All right. Let's move on. Okay. So Manifest Destiny number three was published May 2016. Um, the credits, they got a little creative with them and how they were wording things, and I don't know why. I didn't get a big kick out of it. I just thought it was a little, little odd. In some cases, they had extra spaces between people's, the, the segments of people's names. In some cases, they just went people's first names. I don't know why. But uh, it's pretty much all the same people. Writer's the same. Angel Hernandez is doing the art. Um, I'm not sure if the colors are the same. Adam Gazowski and Mark something. They just give his first name. Don't know why. And everything else is the same. So let's move on. Okay, so they got plenty of covers. Cover A presents Shoktak seated in Kirk's chair on the damaged, battle-damaged Enterprise bridge. He is smiling smugly and holding a cup of blood wine, no doubt. At least I assume it's blood wine. And that covers by Angel Hernandez. The retailer incentive cover shows Scotty with his phaser out and about to enter an Enterprise hallway with four Klingon soldiers ready to rumble. One of the Klingons spotted Scotty and is moving towards him. This cover is by Stephen Mooney. The subscription cover is a riff on Star Trek Three. So in the previous issue, which was number two, issue two, they did Wrath of Khan. Well, this is issue three, and they do a riff on Star Trek Three. Search for Spock. Pretty cool. So they got uh, Quinto's face as Spock, dominating the center instead of Nimoy's face. And they got... Pine's head on top of a Kirk, uh, Kirk body, you know, with the uh, with the puffy shirt uh, uniform or shirt on, or outfit on. I guess that was a civilian outfit. Anyway, it looks very cool. Uh, like Donovan mentioned in the last one, love to see that. That's my favorite cover on this one too, and that cover is by Tony Shastine. McCoy is further roughed up on the planet by Devash when he does not immediately agree to help her in her bid to kill her captain and take command. Ahura displays more sense and agrees to help Devash if she stops hurting McCoy. They all move to board the ship that will take them uh, back to the Shonak. Meanwhile, on the Enterprise, the Klingons have successfully boarded the ship, taken the bridge, and most of the saucer section. They are cutting through the Enterprise crew like hot knives through Gach. The newborn baby, Kondian, we met in issue one, is with his parents hiding in the saucer section with Klingons all around. Kirk and Spock are making their way through the hallways, taking out several Klingons where they can. Kirk talks about the thought of the Klingons making themselves comfortable on his ship. Suddenly, Shoktak directly addresses Kirk over the intercom. He has been monitoring their conversation and likely knows exactly where they are. Shoktak tells Kirk the ship is no longer his. He is actually on the shipwide comms to address the crew. He tells them to surrender and live under his protection. Keep on fighting and they will all die this day. After Kirk and Shoktak go back and forth about acts of war and resistance being futile, Kirk tells 
Shoktak, this is the USS Enterprise, and we don't surrender. Meanwhile, Devash, in her smaller attack craft, dock with the much larger Shonak. She hits McCoy again for being mouthy and tells her men to take Sulu and the rest to their ship's doctor named Ulrich. When they arrive, Ulrich begins treatment of Sulu's serious disruptor injury. McCoy is not impressed with the sickbay's cleanliness. When they rejoin Devash, she explains that the Shonak is unusual because it is crewed with outcasts and orphans. With no ties to powerful houses, they are cast-offs that are put in a ship together and told to expand the empire in unconquered space. That is fine as long as you do not have a lunatic like Shotak leading you, totally obsessed with his own success and willing to sacrifice every one of his crew to attain it. It is time to remove Shoktak and take command for herself. McCoy says he never thought he'd be following a Klingon into battle. Meanwhile, in Enterprise Engineering, Kirk and Spock join Scotty and some of his men. Kai joins Kirk and Spock. Kirk tells Kai to take as many people as he needs to fortify the entrances to engineering. Kirk tells Scotty and the others they need to make their stand in engineering. If they lose engineering, the Klingons will shut down life support and get the last of them that way. Using internal sensors, Scotty picks up non-Klingon life forms in the saucer section, surrounded by the enemy. Spock insists he go alone through the air duct system to retrieve them. Shoktak and his men see the Federation crew is fortifying their position in engineering. Shoktak confirms with his minions they have taken control of a transporter room. Shoktak bellows, Begin the assault! Big red word bubble. Meanwhile, on the barricades to engineering, Kirk apologizes to Kai for using his sister to beat the Kobayashi Maru. Kai accepts the apology and says Kirk is the best. The Klingons attack the barricades. Kirk and his men defend it. After the firefight, all of the attacking Klingons are dead, and only Kirk, Kai, and a third guy are left alive. Meanwhile, Spock finds the Konodian family and tells them to follow him. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Shoktak is witnessing the death of his assault force. He says, time for the next attack. Meanwhile, on the Shinnok, Devash takes control of the ship with Ahura, McCoy, and Zara's aid. Shoktak beams his second assault force that he is leading into engineering. They take engineering easily, and when Kirk and his last two defenders enter, Kai and the other guy are killed immediately. Shoktak roughs Kirk up real good. When all seems lost for the folks in engineering, we see Spock and the male Canodian father armed and ready to make their move on a set of Klingons in a hallway. To be concluded. Bum, 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 bum. That's right. Not, con- not to be continued, to be concluded. Okay. Yeah, it's all over. I think they're all going to die. I, it seems like it, doesn't it? Jeez. I mean, doesn't it seem like half the crew's dead by now? It does. Anyway. So you said that that uh, that a Klingon attack force beamed into engineering. Um, right. I thought that they beamed all of them out. 
I thought everybody but Keenzer and Scotty got beamed out when when Scotty's standing next to the door. Uh, I don't know that that's the case. Uh, definitely they beamed into engineering because that's when Kirk and Kai and the third guy um, entered it. Right. Yeah, eventually somebody gets beamed over, but I, I the way they had all the you know the woman in the red and the blue guy and everybody standing behind Keenzer. Um, I mean, it looks like they're right behind him, and then when it shows the teleportation, it looks like it's all of them at, because there's not enough room between Keenzer and that woman to beam a whole attack force. So I, yeah. I took it that they beamed all the everybody but Keenzer and Scotty, and then probably beamed Scotty and Keenzer on the next one, and then beamed over a couple of guys on the final one. Okay, that's, that's the way very I possible could have happened. Mm. But he did beam in an attack force. That ended up killing Kai and the other guy. Right. So, good additional information. I think you're probably right. Uh, although I took it that nope, they were being I'm, in. I'm not right. I hate being wrong. No, it shows it shows uh, that woman, the blue guy. They, it shows them all getting shot. So, you're you were right. They beamed over dudes and shot shot everybody. Oh, that is uh, on, on that page, is a shame. On yeah, page 23, that. it shows the I see it. The exact same people that were standing behind Keenzer get killed. Yeah, boy. I mean, come on. Look at how much know. of the crew is dead. And 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 where's Scotty in all this? I don't yeah, know. he disappeared. Uh, and and Keenzer. I don't. And nobody know. can. Sh- when you see a big teleportation, uh, teleportation doesn't happen super fast. No. You have plenty of time to raise your gun and start shooting. And okay, Scotty might not be might not be uh, looking at where they're beaming in, but surely right. those other people are, and they got rifles. It's you know, I think a lot of this is just they depict that the only people that are effective uh, with a phaser is like Spock and Kirk, and not too many else other people. Right, uh, it's ridiculous. Sulu with the sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not but not in this story. He gets hit pretty early. Yeah, he just hobbles around the rest of the story. Yeah. And by the way, where's the freaking anesthesine gas anyway? Uh, it's only when the writer needs it to be there. I know, but if this was Taws, they'd be using the intruder uh, control systems, the anesthesine gas. Hello? Maybe it was damaged in the first issue when they got attacked. <laughs> or may, maybe in this universe they didn't have it because they were that confident in themselves. I bet they implement anesthesine gas now. I'll tell you, oh, my God. Boy, would that save the day. Yeah, they need it. They need it bad. They need something. Jeez. So uh, the leader killed Kai. Yes. That was pretty major. That was very major. Kai was, uh, you know. I mean, considering the body count going on here, you'd think that one of the main characters needs to needs to get killed. I mean, wouldn't you? Right. And uh, it turns out like it's Kai. Okay. But why? And and wasn't his sister actually on the ship at this point? Because this has to take place after those ongoing issues where she transfers over, right? They talked. To, okay, they talked about her transferring over, but did she? Okay, maybe she never actually did. Maybe not. Or maybe she's just in the background somewhere. Or maybe it doesn't matter because the whole thing's ending. <laughs> right. Well, just the ongoing, but I'm sure they're going to continue the story. 
<sighs> I don't know. Still haven't figured. Still haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Right. Anyway, so yeah, they kill him off. So you know, uh, maybe all along they said, okay, we need a guy to kill off at some point, make him a main character. Okay, how about Kai? There you go. Right. How about an Orion? There you go. Yeah, so he's been there since, like, issue one, right? I mean, he's I been think in so. there because he was part of, like, Cupcake's group in, right. the, in the very first issues of the ongoing. Yeah, I just don't think he said that much. No, he was always just kind of there, but then yeah. he had – they did devote a couple issues here recently, giving yes. him a whole backstory oh, and all this stuff. I'm just saying at the beginning. Just to kill him off? Well, yeah. Yeah. It's too cruel. Yeah. Well, anyway – Lamb to the slaughter. So what about that Batleth thingy that he that he got killed with? I've never seen that before. No, that's an interesting Batleth design. It's very that's... curvy and I don't know. Yeah. I never I never it seen like one like that. Three handholds. So I guess if you had three arms, Rx or somebody could use this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's huge. I mean that's oh, probably God. five feet, five feet tip to tip. So, yeah. So there's a, a shot, almost a full page shot, not quite a full page shot, where it shows Shoktok holding Kirk against a bulkhead with the left arm, and the right arm holds on to that very fancy batleth uh, that is still plunged into Kai. Amazing. That's an amazing uh, batleth. Anyway. So we talked about the Federation spacesuits. What do, what do you think about the Klingon ones? They look a bit more substantial, but still, I see no, um, I see no kind of life support system, no bulk from that. Um, right, looks more like armor. Yeah, especially around the neck. So it's all built up around the neck. But it has a superhero logo on their chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got they got a huge Klingon logo on their chest, right? And it's big. Looks cool. Um, yeah, it's it's like Superman s big. It's big. And then on the cover, which is the only time we see um, what's his name, Stro. What's the leader's name again? Oh, Shotak. 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 Right. So we see him without the armor. And I really like that depiction of the Klingons because it kind of still has the sash that, that the original Taz Klingons had. But it's right. kind of higher up and yep. looks like it's actually part of the tunic and not yep. just a, a standalone sash. Right. Uh, and then it has the trench coat and stuff that looks cool. So is that how they look like in Into Darkness and I just didn't notice the sash part? Uh, I don't remember the sash part. But I do know that they a lot of times they're wearing trench coats, which I think right. is an interesting – Departure from how Taws and well every everything before how they depicted Klingons. I like the look. Yeah, and may, I like. And, and may I also mention that look at the face of Shoktak as he's as he's on here. Now squinting, he's squinting, and he's smiling, and he's like, "I'm bad," but something that definitely Angel Hernandez does. And I don't know whether it's just him or whether he's been told to do this. Like maybe it's in the script or something. But he has a tendency, um, and I think it was Angel Hernandez who uh, did some of the um, 
Legend of Spock issues too. Whether it's just him or whether it's just the overall production of these comic books, lately they tend to like to take real actors and say, hey, what does, that, what does a Klingon look like or a Vulcan if a famous person was playing the role? So um, the head of the Klingon High Council was uh, – not Judy Klingon, Dench. Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah, Judy Dench. Mm-hmm. So that was obviously Judy Dench, and man, she looked good. She would make a great Vulcan. Um, and now they got him here, Shoktak, on the cover. And I look at that face, and do you know who I see? Do you see anybody? Does he look like an actor you know? Uh, no. Okay. So I don't know whether this was intended or not. I'm sure it probably isn't. I've just got Game of Thrones on the mind. But he looks like Iwan... Rian, and I'm probably not pronouncing that at all well. He's Welch, Welch actor. Who, who does he play on Game of Thrones? Um, he is Ramsey Bolton. Do so you remember Ramsey Bolton, the name by name? He's mm-hmm. he's that real jerk who basically you know removed the reproductive organ from uh, that Iron Islands prince. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't watched it. So oh, okay, okay. Okay, he was also Simon in, in Misfits. Did you ever see Misfits? I did not. Anyway, great TV show. <laughs> uh, BBC TV show. He was really good in that. So, anyway, so anybody who's a Game of Thrones fan and knows who Ramsey Bolton is, you know, TV show, Games of Thrones, knows what I'm talking about. But, you know, it doesn't have to be him, but it's like if there was an actor that they modeled a face off of, I think it would be him. And he'd be a great he'd be a great actor to pick to play this uh, show talk if they ever made this into a real uh, movie, TV show or something. Hmm. Okay. Right. Nah, I, I did not see that, but I, I just don't. had to mention that. That's cool. And another thing, I don't know if I mentioned this. I know I didn't, but probably. But in the Legend of Spock, as I was thinking through all this stuff, Senator Pardek. Uh, okay. You know the the center that was helping Spock, right? Uh, in that in that series of of books, um, he was completely modeled after uh, Malachi Throne. That's the guy's name, Malachi Throne, which is amazing. Um, also in Game of Thrones. No, he was Commodore Mendez in Menagerie, and he okay. and he also played Pardak in Unification One and Two. Oh, so that's cool. Okay. You know, again, they they took the actor's face and you know his version of um, of a of a of a Romulan uh, in the TV show, and they transfer the same look and everything to the book. I love that. I love when they do that. Okay, that's all I want to cool. say about that. All right. All right. Anything else for that issue? Um. Yeah. Early on in the book, we see that one of the many Enterprise crew that get cut down is green-skinned. And we only see him from behind, so he's green-skinned and bald, which tells me Orion. But obviously it was not Kai. So that made me wonder, wow, is that an Orion? And if it is an Orion, then I thought only Kai and Gaia were the only Orions in Starfleet. So, uh, Well, there could know. be another green race that we're not. Exactly. Other green-skinned clearly. race. Agreed. It just kind of struck me as odd. Yeah. Um, another comment. Um, 
when they were busy locking the Klingons out of, uh, like, shield control and other things, did they forget about transporters? <laughs> or did the Klingons just well, were that able to, to break through the lockouts in the transporter room? I'm assuming that's what they did. They, okay. they were able to Good, fix because it. kind of a mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Kirk, you do know how transporters work, right? Scotty certainly should. Um, if you're going to barricade yourself in an area, you pretty much want to make sure the transporters aren't working. Anyway, I just want to mention that. And that's it. Okay. Let's see how this wraps up. All right, so next up is issue number four, which came out in May of 2006. Uh, written again by Mike Johnson. What did I say? 2006. Oh, yeah, 2016. Sorry about that. No problem. So uh, written by Mike Johnson and Ryan Parrott. Uh, art by Angel Hernandez. Colors by Mark Roberts and Adam Guzowski. Letters by Anne World Design. Edits by Sarah Gatos. Production design, Neil Yutaki, and publisher is Ted Adams. All right, cover A shows the Klingon commander, Shotok, and Kirk uh, attacking each other with their fists. And behind them, we see the Starfleet swoosh and the Klingon logo crashing into one another. Cover B shows Sulu in a command chair with several Klingons looking on and not trying to stop him. Cover C is the poster of Star Trek IV uh, with the original movie cast replaced by the Kelvin movie ca- cast. Out of all the movie reproductions, this this one is my least favorite because I don't know why. Just uh, It didn't look as cool as the other movie reproductions, the po- movie poster reproductions. Anyways, the story starts off with Shotok about to kill Kirk with the same blade that he killed Kai with. Suddenly, the Enterprise is attacked by the Klingon ship Chotok. The Klingon captain, Chotok. All right, they sound very same. All right, Chotok makes his way to the bridge and contacts the ship to find that Devish has taken command and she's ready to stop the crazy Klingon any way she can. Enraged, Chotok kicks over Kirk's chair and orders that the ship be destroyed. Back on the Klingon ship, Devish asks the captured Enterprise crew if there's a secret way to be able to disable the Enterprise without destroying it. Back on the Enterprise, Spock and the new parents from issue one are able to take the Klingons out that are in the brig and release Kirk and all the rest of the surviving Enterprise crew. On the Klingon ship, Sulu is brought to the bridge, and he helps guide the ship to be able to disable the Enterprise. With the highly effective attack from the Klingon ship and Kirk being able to retake engineering, Shotok sees the writing on the walls, and he makes a run for it. He gets into a Federation shuttlecraft and takes off along with two other Klingons. In flight, they find out that Kirk had also stowed on the shuttle as well. Kirk is able to stun the other two Klingons, but leaves Shotok for last. They fight hand-to-hand until Kirk gets stabbed in the shoulder. Instead of giving up, the captain pulls the knife out and takes out Shotok's knees. And then knocks out the Klingon with one of the fallen helmets that were on the floor. Later, the Klingons and Federation crew have all rejoined their appropriate ships. 
and Devesh tells Kirk that she will take Shotok to the homeworld to face trial. Later, there's a mass funeral for all the lost Federation crew, and a huge number of photon torpedo coffins are launched into the void of space, one of which being Lieutenant Kai. The end. Okay, so you added a little extra to the end that we didn't actually see. Uh, about it actually floating in space? Or there being a huge number. Well, there has to be a huge number. It only shows like maybe a dozen or so. Yep, I only see evidence of a dozen. Agreed. But there has to be more. I, I totally agree. And then, of course, they only show one torpedo floating in space. Right, but once they got out, they would kind of drift. I agree. It's just, look at all the people in uniform lined up on both sides of the coffins on the shuttle bay. So, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just saying, it just seems like there should be a lot more coffins. They just didn't show them all, I suppose. But that, I mean, gosh, there were a lot of them. Right. There had to have been. Exactly. And they actually put the people's names on the, the coffins. Makes sense. <laughs> okay. Oh, that, so, so, so your parting, parting gift for being in Starfleet is a personalized uh, torpedo casing to put your dead body in. Yeah, because yeah, that acts not only as your coffin, but also your headstone. Mm. So that way when you get picked up on the Genesis planet or whatever... <laughs> They'll know who you are. Exactly, when you come back to life. Right. Without your Kai or Katra or whatever. Right. Or Kai's Katra. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Kai's Katra. So this was, this was pretty brutal, wasn't it? A lot of fighting. A lot of fighting. I mean, I have – I mean, sure, Taz Kirk would get you know his shirt ripped up on a regular basis during a fight – and and maybe there'd be a little bit of blood, fake blood trickling out of his mouth, the edge of his mouth. But for the most part, this is the most brutal and beat up that I've ever seen an Enterprise crew that they actually showed. Well, I don't know. Um, Kirk did die in in the darkness. Oh, but he died of radiation. Oh, okay. Um, he wasn't beat up about it. Right. Um, and I actually I was thinking of what Khan did to those researchers at that outpost where they're like hanging from the oh, ceilings yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Now get all the bodies. It, like, ooh. I mean, that was nasty. Okay, so I kind of take back what I said to some degree. But still, I mean, this is, this is definitely the most brutal comic I've ever seen. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I can't think of any that was at a higher body count than these. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, not only body count, yes, but um, McCoy is beat up multiple times, including by a girl. Now, mind you, Devash is a, is a Klingon girl, but he's getting uh, beat up quite a bit. And then Kirk, he's got a, he's got a, uh, a Klingon knife in his shoulder. And by the way, Charles Bronson, mooey, mooey, macho Kirk, Pulling the knife out and uh, and slicing up your Klingon opponent. Pretty impressive. That's the way to do it. 
it is the way to do it. The only thing is, aren't Klingons supposed to be stronger than humans? Yeah. But maybe they have very sensitive knees. <laughs> okay. What was that species on Star Trek Six that Shatner punched in the knee and then won the fight? And oh. Then, uh, the shapeshifter said, not, not all species have Care a there. genitalia in the same place. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the few bright spots of that film. Star Trek Six was good. What? You're thinking Star Trek Five. I'm thinking Five. You're right. You're right. Ruripenthe. <laughs> That's when they were in Ruripenthe. Right. Okay, so that was pretty good. Sorry. It's all right. I forgive you. That's okay. Thanks. Um, yeah, what else? Uh, so real quick about that last page. So yes. um, in the last page, it shows the, you know, it's four panels. The first panel shows the Klingons with the, the depressed green Alien Cyclops looking aliens from the first issue. Yep. And then the second panel shows uh, Shatok in the brig and then Kirk and then the, the floating coffin. Yep. All right. So in regards to that first panel, it says we have an obligation to help those who can't help themselves. So yes. is that saying that they should take it upon themselves to go to this alien planet and free these peoples? Um, I think that's completely what it's setting it up for. Um, and, and look, you'll notice that mo the three, uh, there's four aliens in the, in the panel. It's kind of a long one. Um, not very tall, but very wide angle. And they're working away. Then there's one of the green guys off to the right, and he's looking up to the sky. Which totally said to me, like a subliminal kind of thing, like, He's looking to the sky in hope for the return of the Federation ships to save them. Return? They've never were there. Uh, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. The arrival. Is that a better word? Yeah, that works. Okay. So, but that's what it said to me. And by the way, until they showed this, it was like, okay, Devash. Devash is much better leader <laughs> than Shotok. At least the Klingons aren't going to get killed left and right. Um, but she apparently isn't good enough to not want slavery. She's still Klingon enough for that, apparently. Well, she's... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so they, they took over this planet contrary to what the normal Rom, the normal Klingon expansion progress is, right? Right. Because that was, that was one of the lines from the first issue. Yep. That's right. So, yeah, good point. So maybe she went back and freed them. Well, they don't – They maybe she did, but they gave the impression maybe not. And maybe she just hasn't, hasn't had a chance to do it yet. But the way they leave it, it gives you the impression that the Klingons are still nasty. Um, they just are not going to be killing their own people now. <laughs> right. But they still enslave people. And maybe they're not going to now completely wipe out a generation uh, of conquered people just so they don't remember what life is without not being under Klingon rule. Right. But um, they still have slaves, and they still take over uh, planets in a very rough way. So, Right. An improvement, but still, we will have uh, conflict in the future, won't we? Right. So anyways, I just thought that panel was a little odd because, I mean, was it really implying that Kirk was going to run off and 
actually go to war with the Klingons to free these slaves. Maybe if he actually knew anything about them. Right. Why shouldn't. would he know anything about them? Exactly. Now, mind you, if this is unconquered territory, it's the same thing as, hey, this is some place we may expand into. A federation, that is. Then, then of course, there's the opportunity that, that they may find these people uh, in the future. Right. Well, I mean, they obviously have to be pretty close because that was what Showtalk did right before they set up the trap to catch the Federation. Yep. Indeed. And I guess it's unexplored space because he's on his five-year mission and going exactly. where no man has gone before. Exactly. No Federation ship should be out this far. Right. So there's overlap there, baby. Yeah. Now, this almost made it seem like like Kirk and company didn't have a lot of experience with the Klingons. Whereas we know from uh, Into Darkness and other issues of ongoing that they've had plenty of experience with the Klingons. Um, I mean, they're at the brink of war. Uh, definitely Marcus wants to actually start a war because he knows enough about how the Klingons work, uh, and they've had enough contact that he wants to do that. And then they had that whole issue with April in the uh, in the prelude to oh, that's in right. the darkness, where this this issue has more of a feel to it, like it's one of the early contacts that uh, the Federation has with the Klingons. So it's a little revisionist, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Well, and. I get what you're saying, but but listen to this for a second. Okay. What what if this is yet another alternate universe? You know, like the the Green Lantern was one universe with the ongoing crew. Uh-huh. We have the ongoing series, and then what if this was supposed to be another one? And maybe Kai really isn't dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're playing those uh, multi-dimensional games, aren't you? Well, I don't like playing those games because I want everything to fit in one cohesive timeline. But right. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if – because there are little discrepancies like that, like you were just saying, that what if maybe that's where they were going with it, that this is this is yet another timeline or something. Well, I, was, I, I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, that's a possible explanation for the feel you get from this, this story. Right. But I, I still think this this takes place part of the normal continuity, and uh, I mean it takes place after that. Kai, um, G- what's her name? Gila, Gila storyline that we had a couple of weeks back. Oh, Gaia, G- yeah, whatever, right? Whatever her name is, right? Kai's sister. Yeah. Anyways, I was just throwing that out there. Okay. Right. Okay, so what do you think? Uh, was that Dr. Umbega at the end checking Bones out for injuries? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe? I mean, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him in the reboot, have we? Uh-uh, no. Okay. Just thought that I'd mention it. I wish it was Nurse Chapel, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, or right. Or Dr. Chapel. Right. Um, And what's the deal with his tunic, the front of his tunic? I kind of liked it. Well... It's different. I've never seen McCoy wear something like that. 
but they but it it kind of almost looks like it has an extra piece of fabric that comes down the front of the tunic and drops down uh like past the the top of the pants right so instead in the future instead of lab coats they're actually uh lab ponchos <laughs> <laughs> which only covers the very front of the body, not the sides of the thighs and hip. Right, yeah. yeah. Ponchos that only go to your, your shoulders, but then exactly. all the way down to your there you go. knees. I so, like it. Well, I, I figured it was on purpose. Well, I don't know if I like it, but it's different. I like it that it's different. Yeah, yeah, I like it that it's different. Mixing it up a bit. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know what purpose it would serve, because it seems like dangling in front of your pants like that, it would, you know, just be in the way i mean i guess if you were using it to <laughs> mop up blood or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> if you just need a towel all of a sudden that's perfect that would be perfect if you were a short order chef if you were in the uh alley <laughs> that would be handy uh just kind of in the way when you need to go to the restroom but we all know that in the future you don't go to the restroom so not a problem right. they got pills for that <laughs> apparently Okay, so I got some questions. In the final uh, fight in the shuttle? Yeah, I got a couple too. Go ahead. Uh, Kirk appears to be disintegrating. Instead of just punching a hole through somebody, he appears to be disintegrating with the two Klingons that are next to Shotok. Because um, we don't see the bodies later during the fight. Of course, you know, okay, so the bodies might still be there. They just they didn't just end up being in frame. But that's not a very big shuttle. So well, I think in one of the fight in one of the <clears throat> fight uh panels on page eighteen you can still see that one Klingon kinda slumped over at the at the control station. Oh, can you? Okay. Yeah. I'm going back to eighteen. And then he they need to be there because uh isn't that where Kirk gets the helmet that he smashes into his head? Oh, that's weird. None of them are wearing helmets when they get shot, so I don't no. know where that came from. Yeah, it's just like gear that. Oh, oh, I do see the helmet though. Yeah, but it's just not on them. It's on. It's right, on the it's... floor. Yeah, it's weird. So that's like gear they thought to bring with them right. on their little little <laughs> jaunt. Because obviously that's not Star Starfleet issue. That's a Klingon helmet. Right. No, that doesn't make sense. That's fine. Uh, I'll still say they look like they're disintegrating. And also interesting that the beam, Kirk's second shot, appears to be going through the uh, co-pilot's chair. Yep. And uh, and hitting the other Klingon. And you know maybe maybe that's him in the ch- in the co-pilot's chair. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably is. It's just really small. Anyway, the sure. main okay. The main thing is, I thought it. So Kirk is not fooling around, and he shouldn't be. He's killed him. Also, that's it appears to be disintegration mode, which we haven't been seeing. I don't remember the last time we saw a disintegration. It just seems to be cutting holes through people, right. uh, phasers. And um, anyway, and the fact that they appear to be disintegrating, um, not the chair, but the Klingon sitting in the chair from behind and not maybe not hurting the chair. So that, that confused me. Right. I, I could see that. Um, I don't know how he could shoot two beams at the exact same time. It does look like that, doesn't it? 
and then uh, my other question about the fight was, you know, when they're fist fighting, right? Which doesn't make sense. Why didn't he just stun all three? But uh, while they're fist fighting, um, what is Shotok turns off or makes a quick turn that then throws Kirk off and gets him off balance, and then they, you know, he gets the advantage that way. Well, yeah, he he hits the uh, ship control. The, right. He hits the red button. Which did what? Looks like it just made it turn. It did. And it threw them against the uh, bulkheads. There's, inter- there's inertial, inertial dampeners. dampeners. <laughs> there's artificial gravity. Yeah, all kinds of technology that should have uh, not caused him to fly to the wall. Yeah, well, I agree. And then what happened to those three uh, phaser shots? Did they just hit the uh, side of the shuttle? I don't know. No problem. No problem. You don't have explosive decompression. No problem. <laughs> it's just phased light. It's not going to break through the hole. Right. So I thought it was um, I thought it was really cool when you saw like the fearful look in Kirk's face as he saw that the blade was going to be put through his shoulder. So I thought that was really cool. It reminded me of... Uh, one of the scenes in Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, yep. Right. I was just going to say that. Yep. Very cool. Um, it's just that Kirk totally turns into Charles Bronson, where he takes the knife through his, his shoulder. I, I know I mentioned Charles Bronson before, but he takes the knife and then is able to have enough strength to punch the Klingon that knocks him off. It's like, Wow. Kirk, you are mono, muy, muy macho. Well, he used the other hand. He didn't use the one that got stabbed. Whoa, oh, that, that's much better. <laughs> I, you know, quite frankly, if I had a knife plunge through me, because they show the knife coming out the other side of his shoulder. Right. I would really be going, ow! I, I, I know it's uh, like survival mode, but it's like, wow, Kirk. He's and then, the man. And then, well, especially, and then he's even got a, a quick little quip. Um, you know, uh, a Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque quip. My turn, as he's pulling the knife out of his shoulder. Oh my God! <laughs> you have enough. You have enough uh, buoy macho-ness to to give him a quick little uh, cool guy comment. Pretty cool. Hard to believe, but pretty cool. want to mention that so you mentioned that uh what's the name shokin show shatak yeah <laughs> i don't know why i can't remember that name. you said shotak reminded you of somebody can i tell you who i thought shotak reminded me of oh in the face or what uh just in the head okay so and it's a very minor character in uh, a movie called star wars episode one two nah. three <laughs> okay have you seen those movies? I, I, I have seen them, yes. Okay. So in those movies, there is a Jedi Master named Kayati Ke- Mundi, ah. who is like a uh, – he's kind of a cone-headed looking guy with uh-huh. a little top knot, a little white-haired top knot on the very top. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when this guy was like turning and he's he just has that long white ponytail at the right. top, it you know, and his head's a little – 
cone shaped because of the ridges. Yeah. It it really reminded me of of that guy. Like, Interesting. Where's your lightsaber? Yeah, where's your lightsaber? <laughs> well, it was uh I did not I did not recognize that, but good point. Um also he's an albino Klingon. Right. Which I I did not consciously realize until they had his origin story on the first page of this issue. So did they say he was albino? Well, look at him. He okay, so so okay, we didn't we didn't cover it in the synopsis, but there is a little one-page origin story. Uh that's basically talking about how he was always kind of a freak or whatever. And if you take a look at him as a little baby, he's all white. He's a white, he's a little white little Klingon baby. And mm. um he's albino, I say. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that would make sense as to why he's so pale. Right. I just kind of chalked it up to that being another race, but he he says he was a freak, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, the the first four panels of the comic really reminded me of again Star Trek Nemesis where it kind of gives you the backstory of Shizon. Right. How he uh, had a rough childhood as well. Right. Um, and he was a little bit of a freak. Yeah. A human clone growing up on uh, Remus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Good point. I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, looking at those four panels, what's the – there's like a – at least four-armed um, – Silhouette, somebody with forearms and knives in every one of the hands. Huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So it's kind of a, some alien race that he was uh, in battle against that had forearms all with knives, armed with knives. Hmm. Interesting. I guess that's one of their conquests. Right. As being an outcast or whatever. Sure. Sweet detail. I like that. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't even catch it. All right, what else you got? Um, I don't have anything else. I don't want to drone on. Uh, I do think this is a, a really good four issues. Um, very action-packed, very violent. Um, they weren't mamby-pamby and around with this. Uh, the Klingons were bad butts who inflicted damage, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Right. I think this would have made a good movie. Um, the only thing I wish they would have expanded on is the bad guy's motivations and just giving him more than just, I'm evil and I'm killing everybody. You know, <laughs> just, I mean, just, well, there's a couple of throwaway lines where he's now he's going to have his own empire, but yeah, you know, it doesn't really expand on it. I mean, what's he going to do once he has the empire? He can't take on the whole Klingon empire with well, just uh, maybe one that's, ship. That's the long run vision. You got to start somewhere. Right. Just, Kind of wish there was a little more backstory, and he wasn't so, you know, mustache twisting evil. Nah. <laughs> but well, I mean, I I could see him being a good movie villain, right? Oh, I thought I thought it, I thought he was a good villain. Yeah, but I well, do agree good. with you. It'd, it'd be better if we had a little bit more, um, more explanation. At least they had the first page of this issue to help explain his backstory a bit. Right. But yeah, it'd be better better if there was more. Yeah, as, really as, liked it. Good as stuff. opposed to he's a violent nutcase. He's a rabid dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, we, we want it more than just a, a two-dimensional um, villain, mustache right. twirler. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening, and, and join us back next week with episode 239, where we'll cover DC Comics 37 through 39. That's uh, volume one of DC Comics. So until then, take care and talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.